Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. He used to be an employee and he was fired for drug use, meth specifically. And she says that Paul comes in her house and her first impression was, he looks like he's casing my house right now. I'm Yardley. And I'm Zibby. And we're fascinated by true crime. So we invited our friends, detectives Dan and Dave, to sit down with us and share their most interesting cases. I'm Dan. And I'm Dave. We're identical twins. And we're detectives in small town USA. Dave investigates sex crimes and child abuse. Dan investigates violent crimes, and together we've worked on hundreds of cases, including assaults, robberies, murders, burglaries, sex abuse, and child abuse. Names, locations, and certain details of these cases have been altered to protect the privacy of the victims and their families. Today on Small Town Dicks, we have the regular crew. Detective Dave and Detective Dan, and this is a case I investigated. This is a burglary. I initially become aware of this case after a patrol officer takes a report, and it is forwarded to me in the detective bureau. Uh, I read the report, look at the various items that were stolen or have evidentiary value, and the initial report seemed to be lacking some things that I thought were probably pertinent. There's a few people involved at the very beginning. Joan, she lives in a modest home in the east part of our town, and she heads to work at, you know, 5.30, in the morning. And she's got a son named Tyler. Tyler suffers from Asperger's syndrome, you know, a form of autism. Tyler is supposed to be in school this day. Instead, he cuts class and he comes home. Later in the day, he discloses to his mom that he believes someone broke into the house. So Joan comes home. She looks around and it's very obvious to her that somebody has been in their house and rummaged through items and stolen some items. Patrol officer is dispatched to go out there and he talks to Tyler and he's made aware that Tyler has Asperger's and his line of questioning to Tyler, to me, is inappropriate. It's accusatory at points and it fires me up. It really fires me up. Why would he be accusatory? Was he... I think it's a lack of understanding and maybe not receiving enough training. Was he treating him like he was the one responsible? He was basically calling him a liar. Oh. Going back to reading this report, you could pick up off the page that Tyler's behavior was perhaps an indication of this autism as opposed to being a suspect. Yeah, and the officer had noted in his report that Tyler had a form of autism. But how this all happens is the patrol officer goes out, takes the initial report, gets the initial story from Tyler writes most of his report, then gets a phone call from Joan after she and Tyler speak, and she learns more about what really happened, and that Tyler was at home when he wasn't supposed to be. He was supposed to be at school, and he was afraid of telling the truth because he's going to get in trouble for being home when this burglary occurs, and he's so scared to tell his mother and the police because he thinks 
the police are here. This is a big deal. I'm going to get in trouble. So the officer takes that second statement, and then later I get involved, and I make contact with the family, and the case kind of takes off from there. I remember when we were talking about this case, you told us that by the time you showed up, Tyler's mother, Joan, didn't necessarily welcome you with open arms. Yeah, you could definitely say that. Uh, She wasn't 100% in love with the police department at that point, and sometimes we have to mend some bridges. Cops aren't robots. And we're all different. And that's usually how I explain it to him. Is that because she was dissatisfied with the way the initial report had been taken? Or how come she was feeling so grumpy toward you? Well, she was, apparently it was being laid on pretty thick that this cop thought Tyler was a liar. Oh. So I've got him back on our side. Tyler, who was supposed to be at school comes home early. He's in his room watching YouTube videos and here's a knock at the door. He doesn't go to the door. He's like, I'm just going to sit in my room. I'm going to watch these videos. I'm not supposed to be at home, so I don't want to get caught. So he sits in his room. About a half hour later, he hears what he describes as a battering ram in the hallway outside his bedroom door. This makes him say, oh, I'm going to go check that out. He opens the door. He sees a female across the hallway in his mother's room, and she's going through drawers in the nightstand. And I think she could sense that somebody was behind her and said, oh, I'm finding all kinds of stuff in here. Well, it's Tyler. It's not her co-conspirator. Oh, my God. And Tyler says to her, why are you doing this? And she turns around and has the oh, shit moment. Oh, God, that's not my co-conspirator. That's somebody else. And they have a little exchange there. She apologizes And he says, I think you ought to leave. She departs. He kind of follows her to the front door and notices that there's a male departing also. So this had the potential to be a violent encounter. Yeah. If you feel like you're going to get caught, you know, this is how really violent crimes happen is when people get cornered in a situation, they get caught with their hand in the cookie jar and they try to eliminate witnesses, things like that. And this kid's autistic. I mean, he's terrified. And he's not supposed to be at home. So this is like a perfect storm where he's not as forthcoming as maybe he should have been at the very beginning. And I totally understand that. So Joan informs me that the suspect left a plastic grocery bag that says, thank you for your business in blue ink. And there are two iced tea bottles unopened in the bag. She says that she told the patrol officer, hey, the suspect left this. Do you want to take this? And he said, no, I don't, I don't need that. Oh, Me, it's a gold mine because what I'm thinking is I'm going to find out where this bag came from. They probably just purchased it. And what I'm thinking is any store is going to have surveillance video and I'm going to have my burglary suspects on video. So even though the bag doesn't have the name of the business on it? Doesn't have a name of business, doesn't have a receipt in it. Uh, I was really hoping for a receipt. It wasn't in there. It's just the bag with the two iced teas. Are the iced teas open? Any DNA on that? They're unopened. The seal on the cap hasn't been broken, so... I might be able to get some fingerprints on the bottles, but really, I don't think that's my best evidence there because it's in a store. People, it could have been handled by hundreds of people being in a store. So what I begin doing is I start backtracking and I go to the nearest convenience store and check and not their bag. And I continue doing this down one of our main roads and keep getting no's. How many businesses do you go? I think I ended up going to seven or eight before I hit the jackpot. And I went to a store in downtown. It's a store where frequently 
we encounter people that are criminals. They visit that store quite frequently. To rob it or to... No, just it's in an area where it's very accessible to them and that's where they go and get stuff. Okay, so hang on a second. They go other places to rob it, but they go there to pay actual money to buy cigarettes and beef jerky, but but they're burglars other wares. Or they're purchasing just a sensible, healthy granola bar. We don't know. Fair. That's a fair point. And in, in my experience, I haven't run into many like vegan criminals. I have a new show idea. Vegan criminals. <laughs> We're going on a search for the stealthy and healthy. <laughs> so this store is great for us because they're very cooperative. They love the police. So I go in there and I show him the bag. I go, is this your bag? And he's like, that is our bag, but we ran out of those bags. And I said, well, did you have them on this date? And he said, we sure did. We just recently ran out of them. And I've got a general time of this burglary. Because of Tyler. Because of Tyler. And he's very specific. It happened at 3.15 in the afternoon. That's when the knock came at the door. So now I'm thinking to myself, okay, let's go back a half hour, 45 minutes and see if there's a receipt for iced tea at this store. And sure enough, we find it. Two iced teas purchased at, I believe it was 2.38 in the afternoon. So it's about 45 minutes before this burglary occurs. So they have a record of the receipt, even though presumably these people paid cash? Yeah, on their tape from their register. Oh. And he went through his receipts and he showed me and he's like, yep, right here. Here's the time. And I'm like, sweet. I look up in the corner and I said, you have a surveillance camera right there. And he goes, I got bad news for you. That video has been overwritten no. already. And I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> a bummer. But yeah. I'm also thinking Tyler never mentioned that they like went to a car or anything. So I'm like, I wonder if they took the bus. Maybe they took the bus to this house. So I go to the bus company and I find the bus that goes out to that area. And I have the bus security pull video from the bus. For around that time. For around that time. Wait, inside the bus? Inside the bus. Public buses? Several buses. Video bus. cam? Yeah, they have a camera at the front, at the back, going different angles. Like, they, they do a really good job of covering, because, you know, stuff happens on a bus. Yeah. So, pull this video. About 500 feet away is a bus stop. It's just like a block over. And shortly after the iced teas are purchased, two people get on the bus. One is a male carrying a bag that matches the one that I've got. And later in the video, you can clearly see the two iced tea bottles in the semi-transparent bag. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I watched this video and I'm able to follow these two while they're on the bus all the way out to about 100 feet from Joan's house. And that's where they get off of the bus. The bus drives away, so I don't have any video of them actually going to the house. But now I can put these two people 100 feet away from the house minutes before this knock at the door is heard. Plus, you can put that bag with those iced teas on their porch or wherever it was left. Was It, it was the in the house. It was in the house. Yeah, which Perfect. is pretty important. You know, it's not on the property. It's in the house. Mm. So now I'm pretty happy. I talked to Joan and she informs me that she's got a coworker who had brought a gentleman named Paul over to her house about a week prior. Joan does taxes for people on the side and this is right before tax season. So 
This coworker brings Paul over to the house. Joan recognizes Paul from working with him before, like years before, and knows that's not a good guy. I don't like him. Do we know in what capacity she knew Paul? They work together. At wherever it is Joan works now? Yeah. I see. He used to be an employee, and he was fired for drug use. Oh. Meth, specifically. And she says that Paul comes in her house, and her first impression was, he looks like he's casing my house right now. So she felt that. Oh, my God, that intuition. Yeah. So she brings up to me in our initial conversation, I kind of wonder if it was this guy, but I don't have any proof. I see the video, and I'm like, sure as shit, that's Paul. I have a question. Yeah. Had you shown her that surveillance tape, or you knew, she had mentioned to you when you went out there, I have this one suspicion, take it or leave it, it's this guy, Paul. You looked up Paul at that I looked up his mugshot. Got it. And, and he's pretty distinct looking. He's uh, youthful in appearance. He's uh, thin, small in stature. And Tyler had even told me the guy looked like a seventh grader when he was running away. And I'm looking at Paul and I'm going, if I just saw that guy running away, I'd, I couldn't say that he wasn't a seventh grader. Like he's that youthful in appearance, even though he's got these years of drug abuse. Mm. Do you show Paul's picture to Tyler? I ended up doing a lineup. Tyler wasn't able to pick him out because he never saw his face really, uh, but he had seen the female. And so I start scouring social media, things like that, all of our records with Paul looking for female associates who might match the female that I see on the bus. Nothing. Uh, Nothing. But can I ask, was Paul present on social media? Could you find his Facebook page? I did. I did find his Facebook page and I sent these pictures out and I said, I'm looking to identify this female. If anyone can help me, maybe, you know, another officer has had interaction with this female and knows exactly who she is. You sent her picture out within your agency? Yeah, department-wide email. And I get a reply back in like 15 minutes from one of our guys. He sends me a link to a Facebook account and he says, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely her. So now I've got These two folks identified for sure. Because she had a record as well and he had dealt with her previously? Yeah, he had had previous contacts with her. So now I know exactly who I'm looking for. Paul gets arrested like 100 yards away from Joan's house on a weekend. A few days after the burglary. You're kidding. Yeah. For what? A neighbor knew that Joan had been burglarized and saw this guy knocking on her door. And Joan sees who it is, has this sneaking suspicion anyway And is like, I'm not going to the door. Wait, Paul knocks on Joan's door after he's robbed her? Yeah. What? Yeah. That is ballsy. It gets better. This guy is pretty arrogant. Paul walks across the street, sees an open garage, and starts making his way up the driveway to this open garage. And the neighbor who had called the police is standing there and is like, where do you think you're going, buddy? Yes, neighbor. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was looking for a friend. I guess this is the wrong house. People, when someone knocks on your door, this is a little side note. This is a common tactic that burglars use is they will go up and knock on your door. And if you answer, they'll say, oh, is uh, is John here? And you're like, no, there's no John here. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I had the wrong house. What they're doing is they're testing to see if someone's home. And what they will do if no one answers the door, they'll go around the back. Where presumably fewer people can see you and then they can just break into your house. Yeah. And this is exactly what Paul did to break into Joan's house. He knocked on the door. Nobody answered the door, even though Tyler was inside. And he went around back to a sliding glass door and he broke in that way. Oh, God. So to any listener, whoever's knocking on your door asking for John, Jim, whoever, and plays it off, 
they're casing your house. You know, I'm pretty sure that's happened to me in the past. And even if I've had that sort of gut instinct, oh, something's odd about here, I have always been cautious about calling 911 based on just a gut feeling because I never want to seem like that caller that's overdramatic. It's a weird thing. I get self-conscious when I call the police about something that just feels suspicious. I totally agree. But that's what police departments exist for. We get called out to suspicious subjects all the time and we go out, we can identify them, write down their name, rank, and Horsepower. What's rank in horsepower? It's a figure of speech we use, and the questions are, what's your name, what's your date of birth, what's your address, and what's your phone number? And horsepower is the aggregate of all four of those? That's accurate. You get their identifying info, and with that contact, you can place them in a neighborhood in the event two days later you get a burglary report, you can compare it to, was anybody contacted in that neighborhood that fits this description? So we have what's called a field interview or FI card. You write down their name, date of birth, address, clothing description, and what their explanation is for why they're in Are they riding a bike? Are they in a car? I mean, a lot of So you're saying that not only are those calls welcome, but that I could be, by making that call, like a side detective. Right. We've solved a lot of crimes based on a call like that. Really? Or just proactive police officers seeing somebody walking in the middle of the night and going, I wonder what they're up to. Hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. In our city, it was kind of well known. In the middle of the night, you see an adult on a BMX bike. Usually they had a backpack and they are going around zigzagging across the street, going by cars. They're casing the neighborhood to see what's inside a car. So you leave a laptop or an iPad out or a a purse. Some people actually leave their keys in the car still. It's 2017. It still happens. Wow. They'll be checking doors all the way down the street. They get in, they grab whatever they can grab, and they're on to the next vehicle. If it's visible, they're going to break in and they're going to steal it. Don't leave anything in your car. If you even cover it with a towel, their curiosity is going to be like, I wonder what's under that towel. Even though they can't see it, they're like, I got to check it out. Because I'm they, guilty of and that. And they will break your window and they'll grab it. Charging cords. They're like, I want it. Maybe there's a phone in there too. Leaving your charging cord out will prompt them to break into your car. I am parked out here and I have the charging cord and I almost put it in my bag. I was like, meh. And then I was like, I bet you detectives Dan and Dave would have an opinion about that. But it's there. So we'll see. Start kicking rocks. Go. <laughs> Hey folks, Detective Dave here. Let me tell you about Simply Safe, the home security system that I trust to keep my family safe. I depend on Simply Safe to provide me and my loved ones with 360 degree coverage of my property and valuables. I love the variety of monitoring sensors available with Simply Safe Home Security. You get a glass break sensor, which in my experience is one of the most effective tools of detecting a break in. In addition, Simply Safe offers motion sensors, entry sensors, sirens, and flood and fire detection. With Simply Safe Home Security, I have the flexibility to use keypads at multiple entries at my house. This option is especially important to me and my family. I can provide access to people I trust and limit having multiple keys outside of my control, all at the push of a button via the Simply Safe app. It comes with a variety of cameras for indoors and outdoors. And best of all, Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than $1 a day. It gives me peace of mind knowing 
I can leave the house. I can leave town. I can even leave the country. And I know my home is simply safe. The mobile app integration makes it so easy to make sure everything's in place in real time. I check it every day when I'm away from home. Simply Safe is the best. U.S. News and World Report named Simply Safe Best Home Security Systems 2024. And Newsweek ranked it Best Customer Service in Home Security. With Simply Safe, there are no contracts. And if you're not happy with the service or the product, they have a 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Right now, Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/smalltown. That's simplysafe.com/smalltown. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, small town fam, it's Yardley. It's going to be summer soon, so the potential for stinky pits is imminent. That's why I really love Lumi. I'm obsessed with their sweat control, cream deodorant. I think I've said this so many times, but honest to God, I never thought I'd use a cream deodorant because they're sloppy and gloppy and sticky and bleh. But Lumi isn't any of those things. It dries quickly, it's never sticky, and it doesn't leave any white streaks on my dark clothing. So all of those things are a win for me. If you're not familiar with Lumi, let me tell you a few things. Six years ago, an OBGYN invented her game-changing whole body deodorant, and now it has over 300,000 five-star reviews from people like me. Lumi is baking soda-free, paraben-free, and pH balanced, so it's safe for your pits and your bits, which means you can use it below the belt. They have a lovely variety of fresh, bright scents like clean tangerine, my favorite, lavender sage, or toasted coconut. And the secret to Lumi's success is it's formulated and powered by mandelic acid. That's how it stops odor before it starts. So, small town fam, Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, my fave, and two free products of your choice, like mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. And on top of that, as a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code, which is small town. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off the starter pack. So use code small town for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's code small town at L-U-M-E deodorant.com. Do it. Hey, small town fam, it's Yardley. I want to talk about Pros. Pros is the custom hair and skin beauty brand where you get on their website, answer a bunch of questions about where you live and how old you are, what kind of hair you have, what kind of hair you want to have. And then from millions of possible formulas, they create a formula just for you. So I'm lucky I have a lot of hair. Most days, my hair is the boss of me. So I need shampoo and conditioner that gets my hair to calm down a little bit. So I've been using Pros for a while and one of my favorite things about it is you can choose your scent. They have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and then adjusts the formula. Also, Pros is a certified B Corp. It's cruelty free and it's the first and only carbon neutral 
custom beauty brand. So it's not only better for you, it's better for the planet. So, small town fam, Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash town. That's right. You get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash town. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash town. Do it. So this neighbor calls the police and there just happens to be a patrol officer in the area and he goes and contacts Paul. And Paul's got a warrant for his arrest, I believe, for some unrelated charge. And it's a pretty minor charge, but he's got a warrant. And uh, he picks him up, takes him to the jail, doesn't call me. I don't get contacted, even though I flag both their names in our system, breakdown in communication or whatever. It's a weekend. I don't know. And I come in on Monday and find out, oh, he's been arrested. So I'm going to go over and talk to him. I'm going to go chat with Paul. In the jail. In the jail. Paul wasn't real receptive to a conversation with me. I don't know if it was my clothing, my cologne. I don't know. (laughs) But he wanted to have somebody present when I was talking to him, and that was an attorney. Uh, So I was kind of done at that point. Right, because you Um, can't have any conversation with him as soon as he throws in. Yeah, I'm not going to violate his rights. Like, if he doesn't want to talk to me, and he doesn't have to, I've already got him. I've already got him, but I'm going to build my case before I charge him formally. Now I want to talk to this female who I've identified as Jennifer. I scour through Paul and Jennifer's Facebook pages and I can see that they've had recent contact, like liking photos and, hey, I'll, you know, hit me up and stuff like that. So I know that they're communicating. Are they pals or lovers? Uh, They're pals. So I end up figuring out where Jennifer is and I go talk to her and She's at a friend's house, but she agrees to speak to me. I Mirandize her and give her Miranda rights. And she says, I understand my rights. I'll talk to you. And flat denials at first. I don't know what you're talking about. I pull out the picture from the bus and I said, well, who do you think that is? And she goes, well, that's me. And I said, well, who's the guy next to you? And she said, that's Paul. I said, okay, well, we need to talk about this. She asked to talk in private. There were people in the room and I think she just She felt more comfortable talking to me alone than in front of other people who might label her a snitch or whatever. Oh, I see. I thought it might be embarrassing to know that you went around robbing houses, but no, far worse to be called a snitch. Yeah. Snitches are a dying breed. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Is that a saying? That is a saying. Oh, I get it, because people kill you if you're a snitch. Oh, my God. We are really slow to the uptake here this morning. (laughs) But, okay. So... We walk into like a a shop area on this property and and she proceeds to give me a little more information. Paul had approached her, said, hey, I'm going to go over to this house. I do yard work for them and it's totally cool. They're not going to be there, but it's okay. It's fine. We can go there and I have to do this yard work. He's lying to her. Well, she says he's lying to her. That's what she says, but she agrees. They go get a couple iced teas. They get on the bus. She won't place herself getting off the bus, even though I'm watching the video and I know where exactly where she got off the bus. She says she got off a couple stops prior to that and that Paul went on his own somewhere and came back 45 minutes later and she was none the wiser. She didn't know what happened. She quickly comes off of that when I bring up Tyler. Yeah. 
that's where she gets emotional. And I think she knew she freaked him out. And she mentioned to me that she had an inkling that he had maybe a mental condition and that she felt horrible about what had happened inside this house and that she had terrified this kid. So let me just clarify. First, she's like, I got off a few stops before. I had nothing to do with that. Paul went on his merry way and I I have no idea what went on there. Then you pull up the Tyler thing and she has this oh shit moment. Yeah. And just divulges everything. And, you know, during these interviews, they can tell that you know that they're lying and that their lies are not getting any traction. And I'll let them paint themselves into a corner with all the lies that they want and then ask pointed questions that show that I know that they're lying. If they're ahead of the game enough, they'll stop lying to me and they'll come clean because they know it's not going to do them any good. She was kind of like that. Like she knew the gig was up and that she better start singing. So she tells me that they go over to this house, her and Paul, they knock on the front door. There's no answer. So they go around back because that's normal. They get in through the fence. They go in this back room. It's like basically a bedroom that's been converted into like a study or a den. And Paul proceeds to just start walking throughout the house and stockpiling property in this back den where the sliding glass door is. And she's sitting on the couch and she's not doing anything. She's not really participating. And then she informs Paul, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. So she's in the bathroom for like seven or eight minutes, something like that. And she hears this loud boom outside. And that's this door being kicked to Joan's bedroom. And she comes out to investigate. And she goes in the room, Paul's in there rummaging through and commands her to start searching drawers and things like that. And she feels like she's got no other choice because someone's being stern with her. So she obliged and she started checking drawers for property. Did you feel that that was honest? I thought it was a complete cop out. I thought it was chicken shit. And she went to the bathroom, what? like? Yeah, it's weird to me that you would go to the bathroom in a house that you're robbing. That seems very casual to me. Well, she's, at this point, she's kind of claiming like, oh, I didn't know we were robbing the house. He said he was there to do yard work and that we could be there. And I'm like, Did, had you watched him do any yard work? Yeah, was he in the yard? And she's like, no, he wasn't. And I said, well, when did the light go on? And she goes, when I heard the big boom and I went outside and he commanded me. And I said, so how long did you stay in the house? You knew that a burglary was being committed. And she said, probably three minutes. It would have taken four or five seconds to leave that house. And she still stayed in there, which shows me that she's now a willing participant. Even if she didn't know at first that they were going to burglarize this house, now it's happening and she's still not leaving. Not to mention Tyler heard her say, I'm getting a bunch of good stuff in here. Yeah. And then I asked her, well, did you take anything? And she says, no, I didn't take anything. I got scared away and we left. Well, I later find out that that's not true also because Jennifer has burned some bridges along the way and... A guy calls me up, an ex-lover, and it's just by chance that this guy calls me up and he's like, yeah, I want to know if you know this chick, Jennifer. She's up to no good. And I said, how do you know her? And we start talking and he tells me that he's having problems with her and she broke his heart and he's pissed off. And and I said, well, when's the last time you saw her? And he goes, I, I saw her on this day and it was like the day after the burglary. I said, well, did she give you anything? He goes, yeah, she gave me a marijuana pipe had a skull design on it. And that's something that I'm looking for from Joan's house. She uses medical marijuana for some back pain and she smokes it out of this glass pipe that's got a skull on it. And he sends me a picture. I email the picture to Joan and she's like, that's mine. 
So now I know Jennifer hasn't been totally honest with me either. Do you think that when you went to track down Jennifer at her friend's house and she was there with a couple of people, part of the reason why she wanted to speak to you in private is because she was perhaps among frenemies who might then tell the scorned ex-boyfriend. Yeah, I think she was trying to isolate herself and probably minimize some damage. So I go down and I get the pipe and I return it to Joan and she's thankful and everything. So while I'm investigating this case, I get another burglary assigned to me. This one, a 15-year-old girl was at home. She hears a knock at the door. She doesn't go to the door. Minutes later, she hears a male in her house downstairs, and she goes and hides in a closet upstairs. Oh, my God. And she calls her mom, and she says, Mom, someone's breaking into the house. The mom doesn't totally believe her. What? what? Yeah. So the police aren't immediately dispatched. It isn't until a couple days later where the mother, Renee— She's like the head of a Girl Scouts troop, and she has a credit card through the Girl Scouts. They contact her and say, hey, what are these charges on this credit card? She goes to her desk, looks through her desk. She's like, oh, my God, the credit card's gone. We really did get burglarized. Why didn't she believe her daughter? Uh, I don't know. So her daughter's 15. Maybe she's thinking she's being dramatic or pulling one over on her. Yeah, she didn't see anyone, but she thinks she heard someone downstairs. So the mom is a little dismissive and now feels so bad about it. It's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. She apologizes to her daughter. So I see these credit card charges and I'm like, that's cool. I know that store has cameras. I know this store has cameras. And I know that store has cameras. So that's what I start with. And one's a local convenience store. I go there and I talk to the guy and he gives me the video. And who do I see on that video? Paul. Paul. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now I've got probable cause to arrest Paul for this one too, this burglary, because literally this girl calls her mom at this time and it's like 20 minutes later that the credit card is being used at this convenience store just a few blocks away. That to me is pretty compelling. It's not like it changed hands, you know, a few times and some guy started using it. It's like 20 minutes later, he did the burglary. So I go to these other stores they're in a neighboring city at a mall, and it's Paul on those two. What's he buying? I think he bought some beer at the convenience store, and then he goes to a, a sporting goods store, and he buys, like, some um, hiking boots and a jacket. And then he goes to a, a cheaper clothing retailer and buys some stuff there with a female who is not Jennifer. So now I've got this other female that I'm trying to identify, but clearly— Paul. He cannot help himself. No. And the sporting goods place that he went to, I later find out when I'm pulling video, you can creep inside Paul's mind here. He signs up for the loyalty program or whatever, <laughs> like rewards card Shut up. under his real name wow. and signs his name on the little signature pad. Like, 
You do always say you only, Come on, bro. you guys catch the dumb ones first. Yeah. Because, you know, he's going to use someone else's card, but he still wants to get points. Sure. For the things he's buying illegally. As you do. He's already been arrested. He didn't want to talk to you without a, an attorney present. Knows that he's already up for a court date. He has to speak to his initial offense that you've caught. And he's already out robbing again. And signing up for loyalty programs so unabashedly. It was the day after Jones' burglary when this other one occurred. And remember that it wasn't reported to the police. So we're, you know, a week later now. And that's when these charges start showing up, even though they occurred the day after the first burglary that we talked about. That's an important clarification because, right, there was a delay on the reports of that other burglary. So I call Renee. Who's the Girl Scout mom. Yeah. Yeah. And ask her hey, do you suspect anybody of breaking into your house? And she says, no, I don't think so. And I said, well, I've got some clear video and I want you to look at this picture. And she goes, is it Paul? Oh my God. What? And I'm like, "You okay, so you know this? You know Paul? She goes, yeah, it's my ex-boyfriend's brother. I met him three times. He's creepy. I don't like him. He's been to my house one time. I broke up with his brother like a year ago. Oh my God. But he knows where I live. Is it really him? And I said, it is. And I want you to take a look at this picture just so we're clear about who we're talking about. She comes, looks at the picture and like, yeah, that's him. Holy shit. I wanted to hear what he had to say and see if he was man enough to take some responsibility. But these guys aren't. They're cowards. He's quite bold. I mean, he doesn't seem to have any compunction about his potential victims seeing him. Shows up at Joan's house with her friend just hanging around, is the brother of another's ex-boyfriend. That's pretty uh, arrogant, as you said. Yeah. So he gets put in the county jail to answer for my investigation, the crimes that I've charged him with. And he writes a letter to Joan, who it turns out had done his taxes. She had done his taxes? She did them before he robbed her? Yes. Oh, my God. Hey, accountant who uh, did my taxes... Um, I broke into your home and stole your shit. Can you send me my return? Yeah. So, and when he had lawyered up on me, he was pretty defiant. Like, it was kind of a a big F you to me. Like, I'm not going to give you what you want. And how do you feel about that? And I was okay with it. It's fine. He's not the first guy that lawyered up on me, and he wasn't the last. So, I take my surveillance photos that I've got, and I'm not going to ask him any questions. I just want to compare them. Compare them to what? Like a side-by-side comparison where I've got him in flesh and blood and I've got the picture right next to him. So I go over to the jail and he's in a cell and I just kind of go up and look at my photos. I know it's him, but I just want him to know that I know. Mm-hmm. Didn't ask him any questions to violate his rights or anything. And then I let him know, by the way, you're going to be charged with these burglaries. And he doesn't say anything. He just gives me a dirty look and that's it. That's our interaction. I'm cleaning up my investigation. I've got all my evidence and everything. And he's in jail now. We go to grand jury. We get indictments for these two burglaries. I've been listening to a few of Paul's jail calls to his brother. Because he legally can. Yeah. And Paul's played this game before, and he's speaking like some coded language that clearly his brother and he used when they were kids. Really? Yeah. And talking about dates, he actually mentions a date, and it's the date of Jones' burglary. And then he mentions another date, and it's a date of Renee's burglary. And I can tell that they're talking about those two cases. I try to get a hold of the brother. Brother doesn't want to talk to me, and that's fine. I didn't expect him to. But I'm, I'm also 
totally expecting to go to trial on this because Paul's like, I'm going to fight this. And he's also trying to compel his brother to go get his tax money from the victim. Still with the tax money. Yeah. And so she's calling me saying, hey, I'm getting like third party contact. And I'm like, how about you just send it to the DA's office? So we sent it over to the DA's office. He's like, I'll just hold on to this for now. I don't want to withhold his money. I'll get in touch with Paul's attorney because he's likely going to have to pay restitution if he's convicted. Because I would feel a little afraid of having something that a criminal wants. Yeah, and I was sensitive to the fact that he still has a right to his money and he hasn't been convicted yet. But like common sense tells you, like, come on, man, you're not getting your money back. Yet. How are you going to spend it in jail anyway? Well, he put on his commissary and, you know, oh, sure, sorry. buy a 12-inch TV. I watch Locked Up. And honey buns. <laughs> yeah, Silly they me. love honey buns. Honey they buns. They love honey buns. So, I, like, I'm, like I said, I'm totally expecting this to go to trial because Paul is so defiant and he's so pissed off at the deal that he's being given. I went to a court date. It was a settlement conference. You could tell his attorney wasn't real happy with Paul. Just the looks that they were exchanging. I didn't have any conversation with either one of them, but it was clear that they weren't seeing eye to eye. And the attorney comes back and says, okay, we're going to plead this out. So a settlement conference is to see if you can settle and not go to trial. Is that so? Correct. Part of this settlement was Paul pled to 10 years. He had to serve every day. 10 years. 10 years because of his previous convictions uh, put him in a different bracket. So he wasn't eligible for some programs that would have got him out earlier. So he pleads to 10 years. Um, and part of that plea is uh, Joan gets all of his tax money, <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool. And she gave a pretty emotional statement, victim impact statement about how he terrified her son and that she trusted him and she was trying to do him a favor by doing his taxes and yeah. for no fee. Like TurboTax really? takes your money. Like she wasn't going to take his money. Wow. And he violated her trust and things like that. And he sends her a letter, another letter after his conviction and basically says, I'm your friend. I feel really bad about what happened to you. And he still doesn't take responsibility for burglarizing her house. And it's like making idle chit chat. And then he, I remember there was like a couple sentences in there because Joan really wanted to show me this letter. And she's like, look right here. And he's like, yeah, Detective Dan did a really good job. I have to commend him on that. And I'm like, well, that, that feels good. He doesn't <laughs> sound like the brightest bulb. He's just so arrogant to like keep contacting his victim. I mean, it's like he's re-victimizing her every time he contacts her. And part of this plea agreement was don't ever talk to her again. Like, you're done. And he's still sending her letters and things like that. You know, he's not wrong, though. You did do a great job. And, and you make it sound pretty easy. But the way the story unfolds, the reality is, is that your attention to detail and putting pieces together is the thing that broke this case open. And that's like true detective work that is so exciting to hear about, right? Because you'd like to think that the people who are helping you in situations like this are thinking critically in the way that you did. And it's actually really exciting to hear how that all cracked open. Exactly. That you'll go the distance that it even occurred to you that you could take a bag that has a generic message on it. Thank you for shopping with us, whatever the message was. And you'll actually be able to find where that came from without any other identifying marks and no DNA because the ice tea was unopened, right? Correct. And knowing that, of course, that, you know, hundreds of people could have touched those boxes 
bottles from when they were shipped to when they were actually put on the shelf. So that is good work. Well, it's one of the nice things about working in small town USA. Mm-hmm. It's easy to find that store. I mean, we yeah. don't have a million stores like a big city like New York. You wouldn't have a chance there. The other interesting fact about this case is when he finally pled guilty, I called the initial patrol officer to my desk and I let him know that he had left the critical piece of evidence that had solved this case. Dave and I constantly talk to people about being detailed and thorough in your reports because every little thing might be the difference between a conviction or an acquittal. Cool. Cool. Evidence breaks the case. Small Town Dicks is produced by Zibby Allen and Yardley Smith for Paperclip Limited, with editing from Logan Heftel and Yardley and Zibby. Music for the show was composed by John Forrest. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you like to listen to your podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Small Town Dicks. Also, visit our website, smalltowndicks.com, for more information and to leave questions and comments for the team.